<laughs> you indeed learn by reading. And hi, everybody. Welcome to the September 24th, 2021 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Gizzuti. Thank you so much for joining us. As you can tell, we're off to a rocket start. I've always told you the five minutes before we roll tape are always the most interesting, and it certainly was today. Uh, we're looking forward to a great show, so let's get right to it. If it's Friday, there must be a COVID update. Colorado hospitals are taking on patient overflow from Wyoming to uh, due to overcrowding in Wyoming intensive care units. Meanwhile, Schools who have issued mask mandates have seen significantly lower transmission rates, and the state of Colorado is offering to send out, uh, send out free-at-home rapid tests to those who qualify. Panic Cahoon from Westward, a whole lot of different takes on this one, but it feels like we're getting into a different part of this era. It's not over, but it feels like a different season, or it just could be the second verse, same as the first. I don't know. What do you think? Well, we're heading into cold weather again, mm. which means people aren't going to be able to be outside as much. We're looking ahead to, will you be able to go to restaurants? Will you be able to go to theaters and the places that have been trying desperately to reopen? So people want to stay as safe as they can. We also have one update in Jefferson County where the health department did win a victory over uh, three schools, or I should say one was a draw, but over schools that weren't following the mask mandates there. If you look at the evidence, definitely schools that have mask ma mandates or are following the recommended rules for masks do have lower rates, which is good. If you see the outbreak reports in Colorado, they are definitely increasing at schools. So anything you can do to keep it down there is great. Wyoming, I've driven through many times over the last two years. Always very interesting. You rarely, rarely see a mask. And now maybe we're seeing the responses to that because the hospitals are overrun. And they even had to bring out the National Guard in Wyoming, which does not normally happen except like for the start of hunting season. <laughs> or frontier days, I guess. But it's uh, uh, interesting times indeed. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. Uh, a lot of different angles to this one, but uh, are, are, are we seeing a different trend with some of whether it be the mask mandates or some of the things coming from different officials? Well, a, a trend that's good is, as you said, the Department of Public Health uh, sending out at-home rapid tests to people. But that still shows how far we behind we are in the United States because of the Food and Drug Administration, which won't let stores sell the at-home tests over the counter. You can buy an at-home test uh, throughout Europe in a store and find out. And the FDA has always been a major obstructor of tests. Back in the, er the early days of the pandemic, they were the ones who insisted that only some defective test, which they to some degree knew was defective, be used. It was only because people violated FDA orders that we started to get actual tests that could, could give you actual good results. Um, so we're, we're a lot worse off in this whole pandemic because of their interference. According to the Department of Health data, for the schools that have mask mandates, there was an infection rate of uh, 250 students per 100,000 population versus 300 per 100,000 population in the schools without. So that's, a, in other words, in, for per 1,000 students, two and a half with the mandate, three without, which is that a statistically significant difference? It's hard to tell because the Department of Health hasn't released its underlying data. It's got all these charts and stuff, but doesn't have the data for anybody to verify. 
And what they don't account for is that in the counties that have the lower rates, they also have higher infection. They have high, lower infection rates also go along with higher vaccine rates in the county. So we have no idea whether it's the masks or the vaccines or a combination of either. And a serious research report rather than a political one would have done some statistical analysis to try to disaggregate those two. Penfield Tate, attorney with Tate Law, longtime state lawmaker. Penn, are... I think some of the frustration people are feeling is that we've been at this for a while. This isn't last uh, fall where we were still learning a lot of things and trying to figure it out. But uh, I've seen a variety of folks from uh, across the spectrum, uh, political spectrum, uh, frustrated with like rapid home tests, uh, a rapid at home tests or uh, different data transparency, things like that. Uh, do you think there'll be some uh, officials, maybe even at the state level, that want to get things running the right way so that we're not running into this kind of confusion? You know, I, th I think there will be people who want to get things running the right way. But but I'll tell you, like a number of folks, I'm frustrated, too. I'm frustrated because on the one hand, I don't want people to suffer unnecessarily and I want people to get treated. But on the other hand, I'm frustrated because Americans are just behaving like self-absorbed, -absor stupid kids. Um, we know that masks work. We know that the vaccine works. We know that you ought to get tested, but we've got scores of people who won't do any of it. And then they have the nerve to stand around and act amazed that they're sick or they're going to the hospital. And then they get aggravated because the hospitals are overrun and can't accommodate them. Well, you should have put on a mask. You should have gotten vaccinated. I respect the people who have legitimate religious objections to all of these things. But the vast majority of people who are running around infected, unvaccinated and not wearing masks, don't have religious objections. They just want to be selfish and do what they want to do. And I don't have a lot of patience for that. So if people want things to get back to the way things were, all of us need to recognize that we're in this together and that any individual's behavior impacts everybody else they come into contact with. We need, we need to change. We, we need to check ourselves. It's interesting you make that point about religious because you think about real examples of conscientious objectors who have said, you know, this is my religion, this is my faith, this is what I'm doing, really making a case of it. And then other folks who are, you know, Googling, you know, can I get something, uh, an online pastor to give me some sort of permission slip to get me out of something? Yeah, somebody who wants an online permission slip has probably never set foot in the house of worship before. Exactly. Uh, rounding out the panel, our good friend Natasha Gardner with a new title, officially managing editor at History Colorado. And also we should explain to our audience, uh, officially just starting this gig, uh, Natasha will probably, will be taking a break from the show as a formerly a state employee, Natasha. It's uh, be hard for you as we get into other uh, issues throughout our random scripts of we get into, you know, how, what a terrible job state government is doing as a state government employee puts you in a really difficult position. But it'd be great. it's great to have you here for this and to kind of celebrate this as a time. So uh, you know, putting that to side for now, we can do that more at the end of the show. Uh, looking at uh, these different COVID uh, headlines, what stands out to you uh, as you read these this week? Well, as you say, another week, another week of COVID headlines. I mean, there's some really interesting news. Um, the at-home test is great. I think that's going to be a wonderful resource for, for parents in particular who are concerned about their kids who don't have access to the vaccines. Related to that, we're starting to get some data, so hopefully that's going to speed through the approval process and those families will have a little bit more peace of mind. You know, something when we're talking about stages of this pandemic experience, something that I've noticed lately in conversations with people, because 
everyone is still talking about COVID at all times, is that it's starting to be these conversations of, do you remember? So it's looking back at March and April and thinking, oh, that's when I was disinfecting groceries or this is when I was doing that and, and so on and so forth. And I think that's so important. I've talked about that before, but we've been hurtling through this, this pandemic with not a lot of time to reflect, not a lot of time to think about the impact of this on our lives. You know, and we're looking at more than 600,000 people in the U.S. have passed away, more than 4.5 million in the world. Globally, we have a lot of grieving to do, and that's just dealing with people whose lives we've lost, not dealing with the economic impact, not dealing with um, how this is just, you know, impacting jobs and, and families and everything else. So I, I think those conversations are really important. Some of them are funny um, because, yeah, what we did with groceries and toilet paper and everything back then was, was a bit humorous, but a lot of them were just really important, serious conversations we have to have. It won't be immediate, but I mentioned History Colorado will be covering this in a different way. The, the toilet paper displays and whatnot, the, at least the lighter side of a difficult topic. Well, blue books are making their way to mailboxes just like this one. And if you're a lucky person like me in Douglas County, it's pretty thin. For our friends in uh, Denver, it was probably a, a pretty thick blue book coming to your mailbox, which means it's time to start researching some of the ballot issues Colorado will be voting on. This year's election will cover everything from out-of-school education programs, the renovation of the National Western Complex, and more. David, clearly, um, if you're in a different part of the state, you have a different blue books. So you're voting different things. Denverites voting a lot more than uh, me in Douglas County. But from what we know on the statewide ballot and other issues, what stands out to you? The most important thing by far is a nonpartisan, good government constitutional amendment that will be on the, the statewide ballot. It's the only, only constitutional amendment there. And it's called Amendment 78, and what it is to do is to have the, the people, the sovereigns of the state, take control back from sketchy slush funds in the government. Normally, when you think of the state of Colorado spending money, the proper process is the legislature, led by people like former Representative Tate, appropriate the money. It goes through an open and transparent public process. The governor ultimately signs the bill. And so the people decide how the people's money will be spent. But there's been this increasing problem of freelancers in the government getting their own money and keeping it and spending it with little or no supervision. The governor gets somebody to say, oh, I'll pay for some extra staffers for you in your office. Um, not a, uh, staff not approved by the legislature. Or the attorney general or somebody else uh, wins some lawsuit against uh, you know, the, the pharmaceutical companies or tobacco or whatever, and so the, the big businesses pay up a lot of loot. Well, that loot ought to be distributed by the legislature appropriately rather than having the attorney general or somebody else having a personal slush fund at his or her disposal. Penn, uh, these off-year elections, as they're called, can be a little sneaky. There's not uh, a whole lot of Republicans or Democrats running. Well, there's none of them. So then there's not the attention. There's not the constant ads on TV. So it can be easy to forget what's going on and not get informed. Uh, what do you think about uh, what we should expect in these next handful of weeks when this campaign's kicking to high gear? I think what we'll see in the next few weeks is, is really just an abundance of Internet ads and, and social media posts uh, to deal with a number of these ballot issues. I'm working on one personally, so we're going to be flooding the airways and flooding your email um, asking you to vote yes on, on 301. But that, that's going to be the way people communicate because 
You're right. These aren't the sexy elections. Most people don't know who in Denver's running for the school board vacancies, uh, which is hard to believe given all of the controversy around DPS and one of their current board members. But most people don't know who's running. And I don't know if there's anything more important that's provided by any governmental body than the education of our kids in our community. But that that's the situation. Got a host of ballot issues in Denver from redevelopment of of uh, continued redevelopment of the National Western and more money going into that to a host of other environmental issues um, and, and some of the statewide measures. Uh, Dave, the one David mentioned has me particularly concerned, but I've long believed that Tabor was a mistake, and this is just an extension of the mistake. Taxpayers don't want to be responsible for or have the legislature give oversight over whether somebody who got funding and an appropriation clause that says they could run their operation from gifts, grants, and other donations, nobody wants to look at every 200 bucks that goes to an organization to make sure it's being spent in, another, in a certain way, especially when it's not tax dollars. So it's going to be interesting. Natasha, we can have kind of an inverse relationship as an American public when it comes to the politics that really matter, because I think most Americans probably name uh, President Joe Biden's dog, but they couldn't name their city council person or uh, their uh, school board member that is actually going to have the power to impact literally the street they live on. So uh, is something like this be pretty important to look at? Do you think there will be enough attention in this off-year election considering the important decisions that need to be had? Maybe. I mean, this is a great moment for that sort of PSA that we need to do at all times. Check your registration. Um, when you get your ballot, read through it. Read through the blue book. Um, return it. And voting is such an important part of our democracy. Um, so hopefully people will engage in that. I think our viewers always do. Very good point. But related to that, I think it's interesting because midterms, yeah, they're not as interesting. They don't gather the same amount of headlines. They don't get the same coverage um, or awareness in the general public. But mail-in ballots have really changed that. I think anyone who reports on politics knows this. That if you're looking back at turnout numbers. You kind of have to put a footnote to to that moment when we switched over to mail-in ballots and what happened before wasn't as relevant now. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a good turnout. There's certainly plenty on the ballot across the state for people to have a reason to return those ballots. Um, and more data gives us more impressions of what people are doing in Colorado. So that only makes reporters' jobs um, easier. So that's another reason for people to return their ballots. Patty, did you uh, tip your postal delivery person extra this month because of the kind of ballot uh, blue book uh, he or she had to deliver to your house? No, because I'm too busy having a fight with someone from a campaign that is not pens about <laughs> some wording we had in a story this morning. You know, we have a lot of dark money going into three measures on the Denver campaign ballot, which is interesting. You don't normally have it. There are 13 measures on Denver's ballot, plus the three state ones, unless one doesn't survive a challenge. And I can say that there are this dark money group, Defend Colorado, has put in half a million dollars so far into these three measures. That's a lot of money for a city ballot measure. But we're going to be voting on every, everything from group living to park, the Park Hill Golf Course to the arena, which I do think the proposed National Western Arena and the um, renovation of the old arena, the 1909 arena, that's going to be a really big one because a lot of people have no idea why Denver needs yet another arena. And we're going to hear a lot of that and whether or not it's Hancock's legacy or just a boondoggle. Well, sticking with the election theme, Mesa County is back in the news. The Colorado Secretary of State's office has officially asked the Mesa County District Court Judge Barr 
clerk and recorder Tina Peters from overseeing this year's election, putting the Secretary of State, putting former Secretary of State Wayne Williams in her place. Meanwhile, Tina Peters is going on the offensive and raising money for her defense fund. Uh, Penn, uh, Mesa County becomes the, the gift that keeps on giving for a table like this that loves to cover these issues. But are, are we seeing, are we going to see some significant situations coming out of this? And we, it's fun to make fun of it as a circus, but at sooner or later it's going to get serious. Uh, well, it is a circus and it is serious. And unfortunately, this is one of those truths that's stranger than fiction. You can't make this stuff up. Um, I don't know if Tina Peters has come out of hiding yet. I know her deputy, Belinda Kinsey, I guess, is still suspended without pay. And she's raising money for her defense, which is odd because her attorney is former Secretary of State Scott Gessler, who I know and respect. And even in their defense, they're acknowledging, well, yeah, Inappropriate information was leaked out as well as passwords for the Weld County system on the Internet. So clearly somebody did something wrong. Well, gee, I wonder who it was. And for Mesa County. Yeah, yeah. for Mesa yeah. County, yeah. Since, since we know who granted access to the, to, the, to the machines, which is probably why she's still in hiding. This is crazy. Um, I hope it does not push some people to want to let the state take over direct control of all elections. I think there is a value in having elections run municipally or locally and just send the data upwards. Uh, but somebody's going to have to do something and continue to press this. You can't let people get to a point where they just don't trust, trust their votes being counted properly. Natasha, clerks and recorders are usually the folks we go to for the very boring news. They are usually very pretty nonpartisan. Even if they have to run as a Democrat or Republican, they're, they're on the straight and narrow. They're, they're the RAs of local government, except in Mesa County. So uh, is this going to get, uh, is this going to bring some, maybe some unwanted attention to other situations that may not, need, may not deserve it? I think so. I mean, I think we've seen that nationally. The clerk and recorders have had more focus in the media in general. Um, one of the things I find interesting about this is that we have not just one secretary of state involved, but not two, but but three. <laughs> um, you know, in one of the current um, secretary of state, of course, but Wayne Williams and Scott Gessler, who both served in that office as well, which to me points to how that role has been shifting in Colorado, but nationally as well. You know, secretary of state was probably one of those races that, that you know, fell down below the fold or even inside the pages um, in election coverage. Not anymore. Whether it's Mesa County, whether it's national headlines, this, this position has become more and more important as elections get more and more controversial. Okay, it's just going to get more and more political, especially with Secretary of State uh, uh, Jenna Griswold's involvement here. I don't think that's going to go unnoticed from, from either side. No, because her uh, her office, of course, went and did the first investigation in Mesa when um, Tina Peters was with Mike Lindell at his cyber symposium. He did have her in hiding for a while. He was protecting her. She came back last week and spoke at a church in Grand Junction. She's got supporters there. She's got her defense fund. She has Scott Gessler, which was the only thing really missing from this story. I mean, once you already have Mike Lindell. But now we're also seeing, you know, we... The Dominion, which was Dominion Voting Systems, which got slammed early on from this, with their lawsuit, you're beginning to get depositions in that case, their defamation case against Rudy Giuliani, against Joe Altman, who's from uh, Colorado's uh, Denver suburbs. And you're seeing these depositions, and they are crazy. I mean, this is going to go on for a long time. But the most important thing to notice is Evidence of widespread voter fraud has not been produced. And in fact, in Arizona now, it looks like they're agreeing, oh, it was fine. 
or even a few more votes for uh, Joe Biden. Uh, David, wrap it up for us. What do we need to know about this? Well, as with Prince Charles and Princess Diana, you need to understand that there's a third party in this dysfunctional relationship. The Mesa County Board of uh, County Commissioners is also a party in these cases. And their view is, first of all, that, that Peters has been doing a terrible job and should not be running the elections, and B, that the Secretary of State has far overstepped her legal statutory authority in some of the things she's doing. But here on this particular uh, uh, motion filed by the uh, Secretary of State, which is, has, would only say that Tina Peters is not the chief election officer for Mesa County for the 2021 election, and Wayne Williams, who was appointed by the Mesa County commissioners, is the chief election officer for this election. Uh, the Secretary of State and the Mesa County commissioners are in complete alignment in asking the court to do that. Let's get a very quick take on this last item. Two different Colorado elected leaders ran into interference this week. Representative Loan Bobert allegedly paid rent and utility bills for her business from campaign funds, according to FCC, FEC filings this week. Meanwhile, the Colorado Independent Ethics Commission denied a request from a PAC supporting Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold for reimbursement for private security. Um, a lot of private uh, funding options here with more public uh, elected leaders. Natasha, your quick take? It's all about the money, apparently. That's what we're talking about in this, this fourth topic. <laughs> um, I won't deal with both of them, but specifically with uh, Jenna Griswold's situation. I think it's so important to note that they weren't turning it down because the threats weren't there or that they aren't legitimate. It's a question of who's going to pay for that security if that security exists. That's important because we need to remember that elected officials have threats all the time, and that's a really unfortunate part of their job. Anyone who's a reporter has talked to a, uh, a, a politician who's pulled out their phone and showed them some of those. In particular, that is a dispro disproportionate amount that comes towards women and people of color. And so anytime we have these conversations, I think it's just important to shed some light on that um, reality in today's world. Patty, your quick take on both uh, news from, Gris from the Griswold camp and Boebert camp. Well, and it's not just Jenna Griswold, but you look at the clerks, the long-suffering clerks, who not just in Colorado, but across the country have gotten threats this, this year and in the wake of the November election. So someone should be paying for their security when the threats are real, and it does look like a lot of them are. Boebert, the gift that just keeps on giving for journalists. Uh, David, will we continue to hear more about these issues? Well, the, uh, the voters of Colorado, whether wisely or not, adopted Article 29 in our Constitution, which forbids all state officials, including the Secretary of State, from accepting any gift of more than $50. The gift that the Secretary of State wanted to receive was free security, amounting details, amounting to over hundreds of dollars a day in, in value, from the Democratic Association of Secretaries of State, of which she happens to be president, and which happens to be funded uh, primarily by government employee unions. And the Independence Ethics Commission, I think, had no choice but to say, no, you can't have some pack you run give you something worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because Article 29 forbids it. Penn, wrap it up for us. You know, to David's point, I think he's right. And, and what we as, as voters need to understand is when we do these constitutional amendments, there are unintended consequences. He's right. The PAC can't fund Jenna Griswold security, which means taxpayers are now going to have to pay for it because they're going to have to put you know, State Patrol or somebody on guard with her because the threats are real incredible. As for Lauren Bolbert, well, you know, 
let's be clear. The rent didn't get paid by accident out of campaign funds. So even though she's paying it back, yeah, folks, let's just be real about this. That's not grabbing the wrong checkbook at the desk drawer. But <laughs> yeah. At least a little bit more work than that. Speaking of more work than that, let's get to our very favorite part of the show. Disgrace of the week. As always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. Well, we already have Dominion voting systems as being a Colorado angle on this national election mess. But now, if you see Bob Woodward's new book, you have John Eastman, who had been a professor at CU, who was supposed to be the conservative chair, you know, had a, a chair there. He is now um, has been let go from CU. But before that, he actually came up with a memo that talked about how Trump could win the election if Vice President Pence followed these uh, talking points. So Vice President Pence did not, but it's yet another way that the election came back to Colorado. Yet another way how Dan Quayle single-handedly saves the democracy of the United States. David. If you don't think there's a caste system in the United States, go watch a replay of, of the, the recent Emmy Awards or the photos from the Metropolitan Art Museum of Art Gala in New York City and, and so many other places where the upper class cavorts mask-free and the servant class can't even show their faces, and they're in masks all the time. I guess rich people can't transmit disease, but uh, working people uh, must be dirty and dangerous. And these same people in the upper class congratulate themselves so much on how they believe in science. It's about time the Met Gala made uh, Caro inside out. Can we go to you? <laughs> um, it's tragic and it's unfortunate, but the recent revelation that um, in the Glenwood um, Caverns ride that um, the workers there didn't check and the little girl who was killed was sitting on her seatbelt rather than being buckled in. It's just tragic. It's unfortunate, but we've, it's preventable. Natasha. Such a tragic story. Um, shifting gears completely. I know it's Bronco season. I'm excited. You're excited. It's great. But don't forget that the Colorado Rapids are also playing and having a really exciting season. Here, here. And, and a great uh, establishment. Their stadium is great. Time to say something nice about somebody rather quickly. Patty. Since we're talking about secretaries of state, Natalie Meyer, who passed away and was a really, really wonderful, groundbreaking secretary of state. David. The great Natasha Gardner, as a journalist, notorious for being conscientious, factually accurate, fair-minded, constructive, and positive. History Colorado could not have hired a better person. Here, 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 here. Absolutely. Ben. I agree with both of those, but let me thank all you sports gamblers out there. Because you've gone ballistic, you put $9.4 million in the coffers of state government that's going to go to water conservation projects, habitat restoration, and other infrastructure for the environment. I'm not wild about gambling, but thank you very much for your contribution. <laughs> Natasha. I want to say thank you to everyone at this table and everyone in the studio who have let me call this home, for the viewers who will let me come into their home over almost, I think, 10 years, which mm -hmm. is pretty incredible. So thank you to everyone. Uh, it is our pleasure, and I will echo uh, Patty, or David, and really everyone's uh, thoughts at the table and David's words. Uh, having Natasha as part of this uh, group has been a distinct honor. Uh, it is History Colorado's extreme gain to have her as managing editor. Uh, our loss on this show, but you will see Natasha on other different PBS 12 endeavors. She'll be joining us as a judge for both sides of the story, and basically anything else we can con her in to come back into the studio that isn't Colorado Inside Out. So, Natasha, good luck. Uh, I, I hope it's a long tenure, but if it ever changes, Changes, you know there's a seat warm for you here. Uh, for everybody here at Colorado Inside Out and PBS 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night.